one of the most ancient and mysterious places on Earth. This prehistoric monument has been standing for up to 5,000 years and has been the subject of countless legends and myth. But why are ghostly apparitions and strange floating lights seen moving around the stones here? Hear the remainder of my conversation with Emma from the Weird Wiltshire blog as we continue to explore the secrets of this prehistoric monument. So tonight join me as the summer solstice draws even closer and we continue to look at the ghosts of Stonehenge. Welcome to episode 41 of How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet Earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as we dare to investigate in depth the often dark and troubled history of each location and of course, the chilling tales of the ghosts that reside within. This week, we once again look at one of the best-known landmarks on planet Earth and ask again, how haunted is Stonehenge? Listener discretion is advised, as each episode of How Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific happenings, bloody murder, and ghosts. So many ghosts. Listen on if you dare. Okay, so while we're talking about weird weather events and Stonehenge, this isn't, uh, this is probably just coincidence, but it's quite fun to add it in. Brian Davison, he was the inspector of ancient monuments at Stonehenge in 1987. And he had a group of University of Bristol students there studying petrological work, which I think must be sort of looking into what, what's in the stones, on the blue stones. Apparently they did need to take some samples. So they were joking around at the uh, and they were a bit apprehensive but having a bit of a joke about taking a bit of these magical stones because you're not supposed to. And even they were saying sort of, even if people don't see us, God will judge us and then we'll all be struck down by lightning, just like 
the hippies in 1971. So anyway, they finished about 9 p.m. They sort of said, ha, ha, look, nothing's happened, no storm or anything like that. See, it's all a load of rubbish. Went home, and that was the night of the Great Hurricane of 1987. Don't know if you remember it. Is that the one so, that Michael Fish said definitely wouldn't happen? Yeah. <laughs> and now they're a bit worried that it was them taking little bits of Stonehenge away that caused all that. Oh, wow. So it's them so, to blame. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was just a funny little non-ghost story. But you never know. These things might be connected somehow. This was sent to me by MJ Wayland, who's another paranormal writer. She sent it to me last year. It's an interesting story about told to her by someone, I think she was studying horticulture and and this man that she was on the course with had was studying with her. He'd left the army a few years before that. I'm not going to say his name because she changed it actually anyway. He didn't ever want this story shared, but he has actually sadly passed a few years ago. So we feel like we can sort of put it out there. He knew that MJ was interested in the paranormal and so shared this story. And basically, in the early 70s, again, the time of the hippie campers as well, he was on exercises in up in and around Salisbury Plain training area. And he thinks this actually happened, he, think, he thought it was 1972. So... At that time, the army were involved in providing security at Stonehenge from time to time. And in in this particular summer, he was there every few days to do night shifts. There was a hot, a very hot and a very busy day with lots of hippies and travellers coming to see the site this one particular night. This guy and his colleague spent most of the evening welcoming people and walking on patrol around the site, keeping an eye out. And then They'd heard from other colleagues who'd done other shifts up there that there'd been some sort of, they'd witnessed some sort of white lady flickering around the stones earlier in the week. So they they both had a bit of a laugh about that and they were sort of saying, oh, it's all the hippies, you know, smoking their weed and kind of ignored it. But then that night, it was about 2 a.m. and it had gone dead quiet. There was nothing going on and they weren't, usually bothered from then on in so so one of them climbed on top of the army land rover and had a little cat nap while his colleague kept watch and he was just falling asleep and then he heard his name being called by by his colleague and he awoke and what he realized was he suddenly realized he couldn't feel the white the cold metal of the land rover beneath him he was actually levitating above the roof of the land rover Wow. And at first he said he thought it was a joke, but somehow he reached down and he he could touch the roof. And when the realisation of what was happening sort of sunk in, he was just about to let out a shout and he dropped back down, thump, onto the roof. And his colleague witnessed all of this going on. And they kind of... I think he was he must have been really shocked but they had a bit of a laugh between themselves about it oh what was that what was that but the fact is that neither of them they refused to tell anyone about it after this event for several years and what MJ said was she totally trusts this guy's account he wouldn't lie he wouldn't embellish he was embarrassed to tell it neither of them could understand 
or put into con- context how he had somehow levitated off the top of this vehicle in the middle of the night. So it's fascinating. Just... And th- there's so many aspects of that that I find fascinating. The fact that this person has nothing to gain from telling that story because they didn't want to tell that story mm. and, and they didn't want that story to be repeated. If it was just the person who was levitating, you would have put it down to some kind of imagination or a dream or sleep paralysis or something like yeah. that. But the fact that it was corroborated by the two people seeing it. Wow. And where in conjunction to Stonehenge was the Land Rover parked, did you say? I think it was parked just outside the actual stones. Wow. Because at that time okay. it was all open, it yeah, was open yeah. land, and they were just trying to stop low, like people turning up and getting up to too much mischief. So I think again, it's this early sort of seventies time. There seems to be a lot going on yeah, up there. What a, what a great report! I, I, I was going to use the word story there, but story implies that it's made up. Um, no, brilliant. No, it's really good that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and again, feeds into what the security guards were saying. We're going to come on to another security guard story in a bit when we talk about strange lights. Mm. But there's one, um, there's one I want to mention actually. So I met up with a local lady called Nixie, and she's a psychic artist, tarot card reader, and a moon witch, and she lives in Amesbury. She, I actually spoke to her because she used to be a landlady of a local pub and she had a ghost story for me. But we, when in the conversation, she mentioned elemental energy at Stonehenge. Obviously, I was like, right, what was that? Sorry, let's <laughs> tell me more. And she agreed to meet me up there. This was last summer. She, she feels that the whole energy has the whole soil, so the whole area around Stonehenge has this sort of different kind of energy to it, um, what we call sort of elemental, real earth energy. And she was telling me about the hares up there. Obviously, hares are everywhere, but she said there's this one particular one, and whenever she goes up there, which is regularly, it almost jumps and skips over to her. And we walked up to the stones and she was telling me about there's all the the rooks and the jackdaws and the crows up there. And she, she said she feels they are all the guardians of the stones. And in fact, they land on all the uh, staff's arms. I watched it happen. They've all got names. They swoop in and around. And you you do kind of get a sense that they're more than just a bird, if you will. So they're up there. But the story she told me, and whether you want to believe this or not, I don't know. But she was up there running a women's circle. I think it was the summer solstice um, because it's one of the things she does. Mm -hmm. She said her and a friend were sitting quietly and they were just observing all the people, all the happenings that are going on. And there are lots of different and unusual kind of people up there. But she said she could see two childlike people, but they weren't children. They were just that size. And they were wandering in and around the groups of people up there for the solstice. But nobody seemed to notice they were there. And they were wearing different kind of old sack-like clothing. And she said what she could see, they looked like elves with funny pointy ears and she watched them and she turned to her friend to sort of say do you see that turn back gone and she said she spent the whole the rest of the time there up there looking for these little beings and she just wondered 
if there are elemental energies and if there is some sort of fae folk up there, maybe it was the solstice and her abilities that allowed her just to see them just for a little bit. When you speak to her, she's she's a lovely, lovely lady. She's very yeah. convincing, not airy-fairy. She was just like, no, that's what I saw. I think they were elves. So um, there you go. Take from that what you will. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. I mean, we'll let the listeners make their own mind up on that. I think the, the stuff about the birds I found quite interesting. When you were talking about that, I was imagining like Disney film with birds and squirrels and stuff coming to help Snow White or Cinderella or something <laughs> with uh, with the work. But I think it's up to people listening to make their own minds up. But the notion that the wildlife up there are protectors of the stones or protectors of Stonehenge in some kind of way is... Or connected. And I mean, these mm. are very magical animals. If you look back to, you've got the Corvids, they're always connected to witchcraft and the old ways, the pagans, the druids, as are hares, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could say they're everywhere, so you're going to see them wherever you go in the countryside. I suppose I'd have to go up there and observe a little longer before I made my mind up about that. But I just liked the fact that she told me that story and she has observed them. She feels that they are something to do with there is definitely a connection so yeah. um, and she's yeah. got her own special hair pal who comes over to say hello yeah yeah how magical if that is that's the nice. case yeah that's yeah nice. so there's another one this is by lauren hughes who sent me this through twitter the other day and he he was telling me the story of a gray tower he thinks the whole area he describes as liminal so it's a very magical place and it's all sort of the whole southwest corner of our country. Stonehenge is a part of that sort of feeling of ethereal sort of magic. And he said this was, I think this wasn't that long ago, but he was driving back from Sussex to Somerset, a route he's taken many, many times before. It was late, it was at midnight, and he said he was getting near... I'm going to make the story really short because it's quite long, but he basically somehow managed to turn the wrong way off a road he knew really well about 20 minutes early. And he was getting a real eerie silence and stillness in the car and a very cold, and he shut the windows. It's probably quite a creepy, eerie feeling. Mm. And he said... He pulled over because he wasn't really sure he was. He didn't have sat-nav, which makes me think it was... He couldn't... Sorry, sat-nav wasn't working, which makes me think it's a fairly recent story. And he stopped to have a cigarette and was just stood there. And he said he saw this sort of mist, pockets of mist. And the there was the moon out, not a full moon, but there was enough light from the moon to come through. And he could see some sort of weird grey tower coming up out of the mist he said it was wider at the bottom rose up high probably about the sort of uh pylon uh electrical pylon size and it said it had dark little windows and architectural features but it didn't look like something we'd ever built and he kept watching it for about 10 minutes and he was blinking and he thought right i've got to go and get a video of this so mm. 
turned around to get into his car and he's really weird. He he always has his phone in one particular place and this particular time it wasn't in that place and he was rooting around and eventually it was like there it was on the dashboard. Thought well, that's weird, I've never put it up there. Grabbed it, went to take a look back at the towers which were still there and, this, and at this point showing lights in the windows. There was still the mist around and as he went to take a photo, of course, it disappeared. So, and he he says, there's something, he's got another story which happened to a friend, but it's all like this connection with the stone circles, mm-hmm. right? A bit of mist, some darkness, some paranormal silence. And he just wonders if he maybe glimpsed some sort of other dimension for a minute or two. Maybe. So, yeah. Maybe. And he's not, another one, not, he's quite alternative, but he's very stoic and, like not given to fanciful notions yeah um he he felt what he saw so um so that's kind of the end of most of the ghost stories for up there but there there is other weirdness i don't know if you want to hear about i'm sure every i'm sure i speak on behalf of anybody listening when i say (laughs) we definitely do and the thing is about stonehenge is i think you could easily fall down it like Going online and putting in Stonehenge ghosts, UFOs, anything like that, it's easy to fall down a rabbit hole of just all of yeah. the weirdness connected to it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's reports of strange lights and moving objects, as there are across the whole of Wiltshire, to be honest. It's also in the vicinity of lots of crop circles. Not the main crop circle area, but they do occur around there. Um, but this is a story I actually got from one of the guides who works up there. Um, I'm not going to say his name because when he told me this, it was really, really under wraps, this story. And I don't think, I still don't think they've released the video. They're hoping to make quite a little, quite a stash of money off of it, I'm hoping. But he did tell me the story and he said I could relay it. So, again, it's the security guards, again, caught this. They Excellent. were up there and they were just sort of sat around as they do. And what they saw was this weird blob of light was seen floating towards the stones one night. And initially it was sort of shaped a bit like a weather balloon. So they didn't really think much of it. But then it it shape shifted and it came nearer the stones and little spikes of light came off it and then go from the from the blob. And then it changed direction and then it came and it floated above the stones and then it just floated back off and disappeared again off towards the army camps. So at the time, I think they were they were quite freaked out by it, these guys. They really didn't know what they were seeing and they did both capture it on their phones, which is great. Wow. But obviously, it is an army area, so they're very aware mm-hmm. of, was there something going on at that time? Yeah. There's all these balloons floating around, aren't there, like, that have recently come down. Yeah. So could it have been something like that? But they said, no, it's the light, it's the way it changed shape, the sort of spikes coming off of it. They think they saw a UFO coming and checking out their stones. Now, what I'd say to all the listeners is, just if you're interested in seeing this, periodically check back it will come up at some point and I expect it will be all over the place when it does. So um, you heard it here first. Not breaking news. I mean, I think that 
to see the to see the footage would be incredible. But it's yeah. it's it's interesting that there seems to be a lot of this with stone circles all across okay. the UK. Yeah, it's not uncommon to like. I think I talked about Castle Rig Stone Circle when I did the Ghost Trail of Cumbria. Yeah, similar similarish stories relating there to do with strange lights moving around yeah. the circles. I mean, if the, if these guys thought they saw a UFO, given the very much unknown origins of Stonehenge, are they coming back to look at their handiwork? Well, as we said earlier, some people do believe that it was aliens that helped to create it. Yeah. Because how would the prehistoric sort of people that built it have had that knowledge of how to align it to the sun and the moon at particular times of the year? Um Lights within stone circles. I mean, there's, you could say, ghosts because of all the historical people that would have been there for whatever reason they were there. I know that they are also seen at Avery. But then, you, yeah, you've got lights in the sky. Well, they're not people with their torches, are they, or ghosts? They are something else. And I'm getting into UFOs at the moment, having covered the Warminster thing recently. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Are they around us? UFOs? Aliens? Yeah, yeah. I've seen a UFO. Oh, you have? This is, I don't think I've ever told anybody this story. Oh, more breaking news. I had zero plans to tell this story right now, but since you're asking, that's quite all right. (laughs) I'm going back about 20 20 years, maybe. I was Mm. working at the for the inland revenue at the time and I used to have this really really boring job which was data entry yeah I'm in P60s and I'd finished work one day and I was waiting for my dad to come and pick us up and I was still outside and I think it was quite late in the evening I think I used to finish when I worked there the first time around I think I must have finished about nine, nine o'clock ten o'clock and I think it was the winter you know when the sky gets really dark yeah, and it was it was quite a clear night. I remember, and I saw above us in the sky. I saw three lights oh. directly above us in like a triangle formation. The mm-hmm. the lights were like a red color, and it flashed. And I saw it. And I thought, oh, what's that? It doesn't look like a plane. And then no. it disappeared, reappeared elsewhere in the sky. Probably like from where I was stood, maybe a hundred meters away. Flashed oh, again, no. disappeared then appeared back where it originally had appeared, above mm-hmm. us in the sky. And this was kind of like a second apart. Yeah. Then it disappeared, and then it appeared about 100 metres in an opposite direction above us in the sky. And then I heard a noise that sounded like a plane taking off, and I never saw it again. And, I mean, it could have been literally anything. Like, I didn't immediately think aliens. No. You know? But at the same time, I thought, well, look, I've seen planes in the sky. I've seen shooting stars, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It wasn't like anything I've ever seen. It was it was a fairly large triangle of lights, three lights flashing bright red. Mm. Not that high. I, I mean, it's difficult to say how high in the sky it was, but it seemed to be either quite large or quite low in the sky. And I saw a flash four times, and then uh, I heard a noise in it. I didn't see it again. Now, at the time, as I say, my... Even though, like, I'm into the paranormal and strange things, and my mind should have immediately mm. said, oh, aliens, aliens. I didn't. Mm. I tried to think, okay, well, what, what was that? 
No idea. Yeah, there are things that we know are up there and they flash and they move, but it's mm -hmm. once in a while you look at them and you think that's moving in a really strange way. I suppose we've now got to take into account drones because they can go in lots of different directions, can't they? Yeah, um, I think if, I, if, if it was today, maybe I would have thought that's a drone, but this was before... Well before have, drones, isn't drones it? Drones probably existed in some way, shape or form, but maybe. I don't know. I'll have not, to Google not, when were drones yeah. invented. But I mean people didn't people didn't have them. You couldn't buy them off. No. Amazon. It was only military people, I guess, that would have had drones back then. And um I actually think I saw a UFO once in the nine no, it was nineties, early two thousands, and I was out one afternoon walking my dog and it was a lovely day and I was sat in a field and literally sat there just having a chill out and i could see this little like silver blob roundish but not round cylindrical and it was there in the sky and it was it was miles away and i just again i looked at it and i was like what's that it's a bit weird must be something to do with the plane or military but it stayed there for about 20 minutes i kept looking at it and it never moved it's just this little silver disc in the sky and then at some point I looked away, looked for the dog and, and thought, and then it just literally disappeared out of the sky. I'm not saying it's a UFO or anything, but it's the only time when I've looked up and I've thought, what is that? And yeah. why is it just stationarily there? Yeah, that, that, that's me. What is it? What is it? What? Never seen anything like mm. it before. What What could it be? So, But no, UFOs. I mean, I know this is a, a predominantly a ghost podcast, but... Yeah, we've digressed um, a bit. Yeah, we have digressed, but it's still, I think it's in the acceptable realms of strangeness that anybody listening would be interested in. That there seems to be a connection with UFOs around stone circles, as I say, in strange mm. flashing, strange flashing lights. And I don't know why. And I, I, I mean, no I, I don't think anybody knows, but it, it seems to be a very strange connection to these ancient stone circles that nobody truly understands why they were built, who built them. Yeah. And... They seem to have an awful lot of energy associated with them, whether it's weird weather or UFOs or feelings of elemental energies, ley lines, all of it together. And, and each little bit on its own, you could probably just say foo-foo it. But I think when you pull it all together, you've got to wonder, is there is there some sort of knowledge that, the ancients had that we don't that they knew that these sort of circles of made of certain stones were special in some way or is it all a load of rubbish who knows eh? who knows i mean we could debate it all day i mean you've just got to look at like i i, I end up on, on like youtube my my youtube on my phone knows us so well i mm. watch a video and if you don't do anything, it just immediately starts playing another video. And it's always about things to do with like the NASCAR lines in Peru or who yeah. built the pyramids and stuff like that. So I find it I find it all fascinating because we will never know. No, I know. It's, it's the answers it's to these questions are, are, are lost to history. You know, we will never know. But in terms of Stonehenge, Stonehenge is a fascinates me i love it when the summer solstice comes around and mm. it's all over the news because the druids 
are heading to Stonehenge because it's it's that time of the year. And it just seems like such a a magical, strange, mysterious place that when I started doing this podcast, yeah. I couldn't wait to talk about Stonehenge, if I'm entirely <laughs> honest. That's cool. It's definitely, I love the, sto- the solstice up there. Now, I will admit, the summer solstice is a bit more of a like party atmosphere. Yeah. The last time I went, it was quite a long time ago. It was there was a lot of young people. They were there to party. I kind of feel like the actual essence of what I was there for was not really the same as theirs. No. Um. And and it was actually saw some aggro behaviour. There were a lot of police around as well, keeping everyone in check. Kind of ruins the atmosphere. But the winter solstice is mm. amazing. It's still really magical. The Druids, the Pagans, lots of alternative people there, um, singing groups come to worship the, gra- the, the ground and the stones. And it's a lot, qu- although it's really, really busy, it's a lot quieter. So I recommend anyone that wants to go to the solstice, head to the winter one, which is normally like the 21st or 22nd of December. Um, just before Christmas and it's um, it's really magical and I do come away feeling like my I've sort of had my soul food for the day when I've been up there yeah oh well that, that's that's nice I mean in terms of weirdness we've talked about ghosts we've talked about yes the ale we've talked about flashy lights mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more we've got one last subject so now this is cryptids and it's it's about a potential ape man slash bigfoot sightings up at stonehenge or at least on salisbury plain lovely this Um, is what we want yeah so on the salisbury plain is a big military area i think it's 25 miles by 10 miles and it's like there's not many places left in the british isles that sort of people are kept away from and this is one of these areas where there's a lot of space so i'm not sure if this happened exactly at stonehenge but it was certainly within the vicinity um it was 2018 and this couple uh reported i pulled this off of monsters and mysteries i think it was blog and it was reported to them that there was a mother and daughter and they were driving up past stonehenge on through salisbury plain and they saw they spotted and i think they stopped their car to have a closer look they spotted what they thought they could see were two upright ape like people moving really at speed but not like normal human figures would um they said they could see them in a far field. They were really striding along quite quickly together. And, and these are this girl was she's a local person. She said, I'm used to farm animals. I know it wasn't horses, it wasn't cows, it wasn't, you know, these were different. And one was light brown in colour, the other was darker. And it was her and her mum. And they watched as they came out of sort of a clump of uh vegetation or bushes or whatever and then they saw them move across and then disappear between a next clump of trees and they didn't see them again after that but 
it was about three or four in the afternoon. The light was good. It hadn't gone dark. And they've never, they looked and they said, what have, you know, what have we seen? What have we seen? Now, my mind jumps to, there's a lot of hairy, as we mentioned earlier, the New Age Travellers, a lot of big hairy hippies up there. Mm. But there's something different about the way a man walks and the way a sort of Bigfoot creature, if you believe in them, does. And even to this day, she's this girl says the nearest thing I've ever seen that looks like it is a Sasquatch drawing. So now I'm annoyed because I did have another account of said Bigfoot sighting up on the plane from a military personnel who, again, kept it quiet for quite some time because he knew everyone would just laugh at him. But he has actually put it out there. But unfortunately, I cannot find the original account, so I can't embellish that. But I know there is another one, which makes me think maybe there's a little more to this than, uh, I don't know. There's what no smoke without fire. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. We're going to go end up down a light cryptid rabbit hole. But <laughs> again, I, I find anything like this fascinating because mm. if there are bigfoot type monsters wandering around anywhere near there yeah we'd know you know i, I mean think... like oh. this, isn't, this isn't an this isn't an area of the world where you could easily unless they are something paranormal in themselves yeah i I can't make my mind up on this. It all seems a bit fanciful because I've got another account on my website about the what we call the Birdman of Calm. Mm. Um, if you head over there, have a read. Um, and that got me looking into Mothman and things like that. Yeah. It all seems a bit weirdly fanciful, even for me. And let me tell you, my imagination does run wild at times. But... What if they're not of this sort of, again, it's me coming back to gen, like dimensions and stuff. What if they're not of this world? And yeah. that's why we've got no evidence of them, but we see them occasionally. Maybe some people do. Yeah. Have you heard of a fella called Jonathan Downs who lives in Cornwall and runs the Centre for Fortean Zoology? No. He, um, he I've, I've got quite a few of his books and he, his day, he is a professional monster hunter. Oh, okay. And his thinking isn't a million miles away from what you've just said. The fact that we oh, may okay. be saying something that is perhaps from another dimension. I mean, I, I plan on doing, I've, I've teased this a couple of times on <laughs> just in passing on, on episodes, but not a million miles away from where I live, there's a place called Bolham Lake up in Northumberland. Yeah. Yeah. And in 2002, there was a spate of sightings of a big, hairy monster with red eyes during the day around this 25 acre lake um there's a bit of woodland around it where people go for a walk Mm. or have a barbecue or kick a football around or have a picnic there's no i mean northumberland is an incredibly remote county northumberland has got the least people per square kilometer of any county in the uk there are incredibly remote uh, remote spaces there yeah, not enough, not enough for there to be a family of yetis living in living in Northumberland. 
unless and, and the thing is Jonathan Downs th- this made quite this did make national news they were mm. talking about the Geordie Yeti and Jonathan Downs <laughs> led it and I think I think one of the BBC radio stations was involved in this as well he led a team of people to Fulham Lake to spend five nights looking for the monster right and on the I think it was the second night they saw it they did yeah they saw it but they didn't see it up close what they saw was they they were it was pitch black they had a load of and I'm I'm telling this story from memory and I hadn't planned on talking yeah. so so I'm, I might not be 100% right with the details here but I think it was pitch black they had car headlights on switched on and they saw something that was way too big to be a, a human yeah run from left to right or right to left turn around and then run back and based they sent somebody over to where that where it'd been and yeah. based on the size of a, a human they think this thing must have been eight foot tall and wow. he is very much of the opinion that he glimp he saw the beast of Bolham Lake, but that it is of something either from another dimension or something that is akin to a ghost, something that isn't yeah. it isn't flesh and bone. Because if if there were big hairy monsters running around the place, we'd find some kind of physical evidence of that. Whether that be up here in Northumberland or down where you are, yeah, there'd be footprints, wouldn't there? There'd be footprints, there'd be, or there'd be there I mean, there piles of poo, yeah, um, bones if they eat animals. I mean, but it's what a bit about like when the... they die. Yeah, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd, gonna... we'd, we'd find some, we'd find the remains. So there's no again, secret places here. No, I find it. I, I do find it fascinating, and I'm very open-minded to most things. I'd I'd recommend checking out a book called Monster Hunter by Jonathan Downs, which is his autobiography. I'm going to have a look for that. Yeah, I've I've got I've got it on me on my bookshelf. It he has some theories on what these things could be. Interesting. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, if people's if if somebody's claimed to say it, I'm not going to say that they didn't. I mean, you're yeah, right. Exactly. It could, it, could, it could be anything. It could be it could be somebody wearing a big furry coat. Who knows? But I'm not going to dismiss anything out of hand. The thing is with what we do, though, Rob, is that I feel like if we don't put these reports down, no matter how much, you know, they might not be detailed reports, they might just be, we might not necessarily believe the person. But if other people hadn't recorded these stories in the past, we wouldn't have our modern day ghost stories. No, so we I need have a podcast. To, yeah, and, we need, and I wouldn't have a writing career. No. So we need to put these things down on paper because you don't know what people are going to see in the future. Or no. the other side of it, will science eventually catch up with us and be able to explain all these stories? Oh, Maybe a, it's not supposed to do. That's a discussion in itself. That's another episode. I've lost hours of my life debating this with people because I think there are I mean, there's, there's two schools of thought. I mean, yes or no. I think will science ever be able to explain if there really are ghosts or, or if there really are aliens or if there really are cryptids? I think out of those three, the aliens ones, the most likely to be conclusively 
prove them one way or another. But I mean, how yeah. would how would you prove that there are or aren't ghosts? That's the argument I have with skeptics because they're all busy saying you can't prove they're real. You can't prove they're real. I'm saying, but my argument is, well, you can't prove they're not. Yeah, yeah. And the the thing is, I mean, I've um, I think I talked a little bit about this on the Q and A episode that I put out. Yeah. But, I mean, people just assume immediately because I do a ghost podcast that I believe in ghosts. Yeah, same. <laughs> but if I knew conclusively that ghosts existed i wouldn't be as fascinated by the topic as i am Mm. because for me it's the chase of finding my own proof that keeps that keeps me looking the reason why i'm planning more paranormal investigations across the rest of this year in the hope that i turn up to one and something unbelievable happens that leaves me with no doubt whatsoever that they are there but I think I mean I think the same as Stonehenge I think it's such a fascinating topic that we could talk about it until the the cows come home yeah but yeah I wonder if we get together at some point maybe get a skeptic involved and have a little chat and try and thrash out this what is a ghost what's the paranormal I could find. I could easily find a skeptic. Oh, so can I. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know quite a few. I mean, one of the guys I've done investigations with in the past couldn't be more skeptical, and he's a really good person to have around because if something happens, he's just going to argue and argue and argue reasons why that happened. In one of the very early episodes I did, Chillingham Castle. Yeah. I talked about. Oh, yeah. I talked about this curtain moving. Yeah. And one I of remember. the guys who was there, a guy called Ryan. Couldn't possibly be more sceptical. Mm. But he had no explanation for that. Yes, so, Ryan. Yeah. But he uh, doesn't... Maybe there isn't one. That's that's what I tried to say to them is just because you... Yeah, science can't prove everything. I mean, ultimately, any weird experience, be it UFOs, cryptics, or, or ghostly, you can just bring it back round and shut the argument off with... It's the power of the mind because our heads can do, our minds can do crazy stuff to us. I mean, look at sort of dementia and things like that, mental illnesses. Mm, yeah, yeah. Witness what they believe, what they think is happening. So we could all put it down to that. But I just, I just can't. No, not yet. Still skeptical no. believer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we're better to go hunting for things that go bump in the night than Stonehenge, which luckily for you mm. isn't a million miles away from, from where you are. Yeah, just another part of Weird Wiltshire, isn't it? Mm. And I'll have, to, sure. I'll have to get you back on again. I'm, I am doing yes. somewhere in your neck of the woods later on in the year. I'll, okay. not say, I'll not say what it is on the podcast. I'll keep people guessing, okay. but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you when we're finished. Okay. Before we go... Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for your time. And I don't, don't think I said this at the beginning, but people do still talk to me about that Emma was great on the Ancient Ramian episode. So, oh, that's fan, so fan favorite, fan favorite. <laughs> but it, where can people where can people find find your blog that you've mentioned? How can people get in touch with you? 
so you can always find me writing away on um, Weird Wiltshire. So that's www.weird-wiltshire.co.uk. And if you want to have a chat to me, I'm always sharing lots of weirdness on Twitter. And my handle is at weird with a capital W, Wilts with a capital W, blog with a capital B. So that's weird Wilts blog on Twitter. But come through the website. All the links are there. And yeah, look forward to communicating with some of the listeners soon if they enjoy the blog stories. I'm sure they will. <laughs> but, um, thanks for having me on though it's always a pleasure to have a no, chat no. thank you so much for agreeing to come on as I said I always wanted to do Stonehenge since I've mm. began I mean am I ever going to do a, a more ancient location on an episode than Stonehenge it seems unlikely Ooh, and... not unless you're going out of this country yeah I mean the, the oldest place I'd done before this episode was the Colosseum in Rome but this beats that by a good two and a half, three thousand years. I'm just trying to think of places in my mind where which could be older than Stonehenge, and I'm struggling. Well, um, I'll, I'll take I'll take that challenge on. I'll have a look and see if I can come up with anywhere <laughs> anywhere more ancient. But as soon as after we spoke last year, I thought right. As soon as the summer solstice comes around, let's have another catch up and talk about Stonehenge. Yeah, and here we are, and it's been great. So yeah, no, um... thank you, thank you so much. And as I say, I no doubt the fans will demand it, but um, we'll have to get you back on again. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yes, thank you, fans. I am flattered. So, yeah. well, thank you so much. Speak to you again soon. Thank you so much to Emma for joining me. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. To hear more from Emma and find out all about Weird Wiltshire, please consider heading over to her blog at weird-wiltshire.co.uk and be assured, I've got plans to get her back on the show again. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod where you will see photos galore relating to Stonehenge. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com or you can email me directly at rob at how-haunted.com Feedback, location, suggestions and your own experiences are all more than welcome. Feel free to ask me any questions you like and I'll answer them all on a dedicated Q&A episode. If you'd like to support the show, you could sign up to one of three Patreon tiers. They start at as little as £1. If you'd like to get early access to all of the weekly episodes, as well as access to exclusive episodes, where you can join me on an actual paranormal investigation and hear the audio as it happened, you can gain access right now for less than the price of a pint. There's nine episodes of this nature waiting for you right now. There's also a tier where not only do you get all of that, but you can also get yourself some exclusive How Haunted merch, including a mug and a t-shirt, as well as joining me on an actual paranormal investigation via live stream and talking to me throughout. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash howhauntedpod to find out more. If you aren't a fan of Patreon, or perhaps would prefer to make a one-off donation to support the podcast, why not donate £2 to buy me a coffee? 
by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash howhauntedpod. All the information on how you can support How Haunted is in this podcast episode description and over on the website. I'm running a competition where two winners will win a signed copy of one of my new books. There's a copy of Illustrated Tales of Northumberland, which was released in February, and a copy of Paranormal Northumberland, which was released in May for grabs. In July 2023, I'll be walking 28 miles in one day to raise money for Cancer Research UK, in memory of my dear friend John, who lost his battle in 2017, aged only 34. To enter the competition, as well as supporting such a worthwhile charity, only if you can afford to do so, please consider heading over to justgiven.com forward slash page, that's P-A-G-E, forward slash walk for John 2023. That's walk, the number four, John with an H, 2023. The link is in this podcast episode description. And sponsor me whatever you can afford if you can afford to do so. Then just drop me an email at rob at how-onda.com and I'll pop your name in the hat. I'll draw the winners at the end of July and ship the books out anywhere in the world. If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoys the right word, then please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help other people to find How Haunted. Next time out, we'll look at a place which claimed the lives of those deemed to be criminals for over 400 years, including arguably Britain's most famous highwaymen. This is a site where the condemned would be brought out before a baying crowd, before being hung by their neck until dead. Today this area has a reputation for being somewhere that should be avoided after dark. But is this reputation deserved? And what would happen when I conducted a paranormal investigation there? Let's find out together next week, when we return to York and investigate the site of the York Tyburn. Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe, and join me next time, when we will once again ask the question, How Haunted? How Haunted?